Welcome to the Outpost Church Podcast. This is a message from our recent Sunday gathering, and we hope it builds you up in your faith and encourages you. Enjoy. Some great lyrics to head into what I wanted to share today, um, talking about what you believe about God. Um, I think it's Tozer who says, like, the most important thing about a man is, or about a human is what they believe about God, and so yeah, today I'm hoping to speak about a few truths of what Jesus says about himself and yeah, for us to receive that. But yeah, to start with, I'm keen to, I guess, yeah, just have a chat with the person next to you about what do you prefer hearing, like a hard truth that's sort of like a constructive criticism or do you prefer getting compliments? Like what are you better at receiving? Are you better at receiving a hard truth or... Are you better at receiving a compliment? So yeah, just have a quick chat. Alrighty, we'll just bring it back in, guys. <clears throat> so yeah, a big part of that question, which I didn't add in, is who, who is it coming from? But um, yeah, that does sometimes change things. Who's giving you that constructive criticism or who's giving the compliment might change the way you receive it. But, <coughs> yeah, who's, who is on the compliment side of things? You're better at receiving a compliment than constructive criticism. A few of us. And what about the other side? Constructive criticism, you'd rather receive that. Better at it, yes. Not as many. Any for both. Kez, that is a humble person, someone who can receive at all times. Um, yeah, I wanted to share a bit about, I guess, the way Jesus um, communicates with us. And when we are, when truth is sort of expressed, like you get the option of to receive it in humility or to sort of stay in that place of pride. And yeah, it might not feel like pride because it feels like humility, like you're not taking the compliment on, you don't want to look like you agree with what they're saying, but it really is a bit of pride to actually resist some of the things that Jesus says about us and those compliments that we're talking about. But I remember a time when it was hard for me to hear a truth, but I needed to hear it. It was back when I was working at um, B3, a coffee shop in Blackwood, and I was on sort of a trial period, and I remember them saying to me, like, Nick, we really like what you're doing, but we just need, like, your customer service is, like, a little bit flat. Like, we need a bit more energy from you which I definitely, like I knew, but it was just such a challenge for me because I didn't want to become, I guess, one of the, like, someone who's, like, fake and presenting something that's not genuine, but then also, like, you can't just monotone it, just, like, just business, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so, yeah, that for me was one of those times where I needed to hear that and I needed to adjust my ways. And in Scripture, we often see... Jesus using parables or uh, just in scripture like God using parables to help people to actually see the reality of what's going on and hopefully change their ways. So you might remember I guess the story of Jesus when he's in having dinner with the Pharisees and Mary comes in and breaks that jar of alabaster perfume on his feet and the Pharisees just thinking to himself he doesn't even say it out loud he's like if this man were a prophet and knew who that lady was, he would not let this happen. And Jesus, 
like in a freaky way, calls out this guy's thoughts and just says to him like, Simon, I've got something to say to you. And he shares this parable with him and it's that parable of like, there's two people, one owes 500 denarii, another owes 50 and they're both forgiven that debt. Who do you reckon is going to love more? And the aunt, like Simon answers correctly, it's the one who's forgiven more. And so Jesus is kind of holding up a mirror to this guy's situation and be like, you don't believe that you need much forgiveness and that's why you're not loving much, whereas this lady realises how much she needs forgiveness and that's why she's loving much. Or another story that might be familiar is like King David, just after he's messed up horribly with Bathsheba and God sends the prophet Nathan to him and it's that, yeah, yeah, it's like the parable where, um, yeah, there's like a rich man, he's got all these sheep and then there's this poor guy, he's got one lamb that he really loves, treats it like his own kid and the rich man's like, oh, I can't afford to give up one of my sheep, I'm going to steal that guy's lamb and sacrifice that instead for my friends who are coming along. And David sees that parable, recognises the truth of the situation and how disgusting those actions were and then Nathan's like, mate, that's you, you're the evil dude in the story. And David, in that setting, responds in humility and changes his ways. So today what we're going to be looking at, there's plenty of Bibles around if you wanted to grab one. Um, It's going to be John chapter 10. And yeah, I've never heard of it really called a parable, but technically it is. It's like, so when Jesus is talking about being the good shepherd, and so that's what we're going to be looking at today. And so to set the scene for this one, um, it's coming off the back of this man who was born blind and Jesus heals him. And the Pharisees are like just accusing this guy of like, how, how did you get healed? What happened? There's a big kerfuffle between, yeah, that guy who was healed and the Pharisees. And it, it ends up with Jesus coming along and saying, I came into this world for judgment in order that those who do not see will see and those who do see will become blind. And the Pharisees respond by saying, We aren't blind too, are we? And to which Jesus, not worried about the likely offence that he's going to cause, with his next statement says, If you were blind, you wouldn't have sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. So that's the context of what we're about to read here in John chapter 10 with the Good Shepherd. It's like this setting of probably tension. Um, The Pharisees and Jews are there. And then Jesus goes into sharing this parable. So, yeah, I'll pray and then we'll get into it. So John chapter 10, if you haven't got there. So, Father, thank you just for your love for us. Thank you for the gift of your word that we can learn from you. We can always have truth in front of us to hear about, yeah, your truth. What is real? What isn't real? What should we be basing our lives around? What do we need to change in our life? So Lord, I just pray you'd give us humility today, that you would really speak clearly, that we would hear your voice amongst all that is said and leave hearing your voice and, and acting on it. <coughs> Amen. So this is a big chunk and... I'm going to yeah, sort of draw three points out of it rather than try and cover every little bit of it, but 
Let's get started in John 10, uh, John 10, verse 1. Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Jesus said again, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take, up, take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, He has a demon, and he's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, These aren't the words of someone who is demon-possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So that's, yeah, that's our focus for today. There's heaps in there, but yeah, I'm just going to pull out sort of three truths that I feel God was wanting to say to us. And yeah, they're very fundamental. We've probably heard them before, but um, it's super important to be reminded of the truth. All righty, so point number one. He is God and we are not. He is our good shepherd. So I don't know about you, but like, how often do we try to take the position of God in our lives, the position of the shepherd, and it doesn't ever work out properly. Like, it's not the way we were designed. Um, Like, we end up worrying about, so often it's things about provision, like take on the responsibility of the financial providers, providers of joy. Like, I love that song, All My Joy. It was challenging for me knowing I was going to say this as well and then thinking about my week and where did my joy come from. Like, all my joy is in the Lord. Um, Yeah, providers of protection and peace. It's pretty much just this mentality of like, if I don't do it, it won't get done. Like, and it's just finding, yeah, ways that we can satisfy our needs to our own level and God's just got such a better way for us. So we needed to be reminded that Jesus is holding up a mirror to us with this parable saying, you guys are sheep and I am your good shepherd. So we need to be reminded of that. And it is, there is a difference between 
just the laziness and sitting back and I guess God does everything and I sit here and do nothing. So I'm not talking about that, but more so we need to give up a bit of the control that we try to hold on to. Like God is asking us to be sheep and him to be our shepherd, for him to lead us in our lives. And yeah, there's decisions that we make and, and he does lead us, but yeah, just that control aspect especially, like we need to lay down, lay down that control and he might be, that might be something for you today that he's speaking. So sheep, they're submissive, um, helpless, like they need a shepherd. Talks in here about um, wolves and stuff coming. Like you're not going to picture a sheep defending itself against a wolf. Like it needs a shepherd. And that's the way Jesus in this parable is describing us. Like we, there's things in our lives that we aren't built to deal with. Like God is wanting to be our shepherd. An interesting point is that when Jesus actually calls himself the good shepherd, he's not only sort of stating the fact that he is superior to his listeners, but to the Jewish people, he's also saying, like, I am God. Like, for him to say, I am the good shepherd, their minds, like, they know the Psalms, especially the Pharisees, they know the word. So when he says, I am the good shepherd, like, where my mind went and where I believe a lot of these Jewish people would have gone is, like, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. So I wanted to read that over you guys as well and just take the opportunity to just receive this, that the Lord is your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his namesake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me, in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. So he is God, we are not, and he is our good shepherd. So the second point I wanted to pull out of it today is that Jesus knows us intimately and he actually wants a deep relationship with us. So he knows you and he actually wants a relationship with you. So I work, obviously, I work down the road at Manor and it's like, it's so good getting to know people and it's crazy just the change in dynamic of relationship when you get to know their name and you start using it and then... It just sort of goes from just barista to, cu- to customer and just basic service to like you actually have a bit of a friendship and you start to care about what's going on in their lives. They start to care about yours. And yeah, it's like such a privilege. So being there for the whole three years, it's crazy. There's like people that have moved houses, people that have started new jobs, people that have had babies, people that have got married. And you get to just like hear regularly from them how they're going, things that are going on in their life and build this relationship with them and know them by name but yeah it's one thing to be known by like your local barista but just take it take it in to like receive this verse afresh like the creator of the universe the one who like 
But he spoke everything into being. He's amazing. He knows you by name, calls you by name, and he's inviting you into a deep relationship with you, with him. So verses three and four. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. So like the concept of being in relationship with God, for me, is definitely super familiar. And like we know, I guess, like that's why we're created, to be in relationship with him. But it's worth just pondering for a bit. One, like who it is that you that is wanting this relationship with you, but also like it's true. It's not a it's not just a concept, it is like a reality in your life. Like the one who if you think back to the way that he delivered the Israelites out of Egypt or the way he brought them into the promised land, like the walls of Jericho, have you like you've seen videos of when I guess with like dynamite and stuff, things just come down. He did that without even touching them, brought the walls down in Jericho, brought fire down on Mount Carmel for Elijah. Um, his presence is so holy that you can't even go, like if you went in it the wrong way, you would die. And that's the same God who is saying to you and to us that like, I know you, I love you. And he's, he's not just saying that, he's saying, let me lead you in your life. So he wants us to be one with him the same way that Jesus was one with his father and led by him. He wants like an intimate relationship and a strong relationship. So he knows us intimately and wants a deep relationship with us. And he calls his own by name. And for our third point, he'll never abandon you. That is significant. Jesus will never abandon you. So verse 11 to 13. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. So Jesus is saying through that, that I care about you. I care about you. When the wolf comes, Jesus isn't going to leave. When those hard things come into your life, he's not leaving you. Whether it's like the parable of the lost sheep and you happen to be the one who's wandered away from him, in that story, he searches and searches and searches until you're found and then brings you back. So he's promising to never abandon us. Whether it is you have walked off or hard things are coming and you're just really struggling to believe that he would stay. Like, I was thinking back in my life about the amount of times if Jesus thought the same way I did, he would not still be with me. Like, yeah, there's so many different reasons you could come up with, I'm sure, if you thought back through your life of why he shouldn't still be with you. But he's promised that he will never abandon you. He really cares about you. I wonder like, how that sits with you today. 
do you like really believe that he does care about you, that he loves you? And how like, can we work that out? Because like, you can base it on so many different things and they're just unreliable. Like, is it depend on how you wake up in the morning? I'm feeling pretty good today, so therefore I'm confident God loves me. Things are going well. Or is it the other side of it? Things are terrible. You're not feeling great. I'm not really sure God loves me because if he was so good, how is this happening to me? You know, there's a lot of thoughts that would go through our minds at times. Yeah, circumstances, really good. God, you're so good. Like, he clearly loves me. Look how good my life's going. Or is it the other side and things are just terrible? And it's like, you just start those questions. But he's, all through those questions, he's still promising, I'm never abandoning you. I'm with you. But how can we be sure, regardless of all those things, how can we be sure that he does love us? Well, Romans 5 verse 8, I love this one. He says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I think the still sinners bit is significant. While you were still sinning, while you were still in your sin, dead in your sin, not looking at God at all, not recognising you need a saviour, not wanting a saviour, maybe you're enjoying the stuff you're doing that's not right. It's in those times, that's when God demonstrated his love and died for you. And so that is a proven fact. It happened at a certain point in time and that is how we can anchor ourselves knowing that God loves us. The question isn't how are things going, the question is did he or did he not die on the cross for us? That's how we can be sure. And we see here in this passage that the good shepherd laid down his life for his sheep. And thankfully we know that he didn't just lay it down but in this passage it says that he has the right to take it up again and he did that, he took it up and now he lives forever, never to die again. Which means that that continuous extension of the promise of like, I want relationship with you, I'm never going to abandon you, is never going to extinguish because he's never going to die again. So he'll never abandon you. But even after, all, after Jesus saying all this stuff, we can see in verse 19, the Jews were divided because of these words. So I wonder, like, yeah, where you're at. Like, I don't know where you're at with your faith or your relationship with God or the week you've had. But I want you to just consider these words today. Like, yes, what I've said, but also the passage we've just read and what he's saying to you. And which of these points maybe resonated more with you? Is it that first one, he is God, we are not? He's our good shepherd. Like maybe your, your struggle is that you are wanting to be in control. It's like a regular thing, like a tendency, you just, you want control. Or, and that might lead into causing you to worry or yeah, worrying about things. Or maybe it is as simple as just forgetting the fact that he is God, we aren't. Or maybe it was point number two, that he knows us intimately and wants a deep relationship with us. But maybe you struggle to actually believe that like you know all the theory but you struggle to believe that 
Or maybe you do believe all that, but you actually find it hard to connect with God. Like if that's you, then yeah, I'd love to pray with you. And then yeah, well maybe it's point number three, that he will never abandon you. Like there's fears or there's thoughts that God has given up on you or he has abandoned you. Or maybe it's like that you just feel like you're not worthy of his love or his care. And if that's, yeah, if that's you as well, I'd love to pray with you. So, yeah, I want to pray through those points. You don't need to, I guess, yeah, acknowledge to anyone which of those points are, but just think through them. And, yeah, I just want to pray through those for us. And, yeah, I would invite the team back up as well. So, Father, Lord Jesus, thank you that you are our good shepherd, that you are God, we are not. We don't have to do what you have to do. And you get to do it and we get to be in the receiving end. So, Father, would you help us to repent of the desire to control things and for things to be the way we want them? And would you help us to see how you want them to be and to just fall into line with what you're saying the truth is? I pray you'd help us, Lord, with our, our worries. Yeah, the regular ones and the ones that pop up every now and then. Help us, Lord, to trust you as our good shepherd. Remind us that you are God. Just thank you for your expression that you desire deeply to know us and have relationship with us. And you want us to know you and follow your voice. So I pray, Father, for those of us who yeah, struggle to believe that. Lord, would you just reveal yourself again to us today? Would we know your love? Would we know your just desperate desire to know us, to be with us? And I pray for those who struggle, Lord, to connect with you, that those times of Bible reading or I guess the desire to want to read the Bible, Lord, I just pray you just stir up a hunger in us, make us a hungry people to be with you. Um, you just give us a clarity on our schedules and how we can actually be with you within our schedules, Lord. Help us to be um, strategic with that, with that and yeah, to connect with you, Father. And I thank you, Jesus, that you've promised to never leave us nor forsake us, that you will never abandon us, no matter how hard it gets, that you have promised to be with us until the end of the age and then we get eternity with you. So we just thank you, Jesus, that you are our good shepherd. Amen.